Capricorn, Aquarius, Scorpio, those zodiac signs from Western astrology representing human imagination of the infinite starry sky above are perpetually hot topics in modern society. However, the zodiac culture is not only popular nowadays, it had already been widely accepted more than a thousand years ago in China. The evidence can be found in the Dunhuang Mugao Caves. Hello, welcome to this episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast, an audio journey in China around the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. This time we will visit Cave 61, where you'll see the zodiac signs from Western astrology on the wall paintings. Yes, don't be surprised. As we mentioned before, after the decline of the Tang dynasty, China, in the 10th century, was thrown once again into a period of anarchy and disunity. It was called the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms period, an era of division and political disturbance that lasted for over half a century. Imperial China remained fragmented until its reunification under the Song Dynasty. The Hexi area where Dunhuang was located was also ruled by various small regimes and ethnic groups, which led to multi-ethnic cultural collision, exchange and integration. Built during this fragmented period, Magao Cave 61 is one of the largest caves in Dunhuang, with a depth of over 14 metres and a width of over 13.5 metres. On the walls of the entrance corridor, you can find the 12 constellations, each in a painted circle. They have been there for a long, long time, but the pictures of Leo, Aquarius and Sagittarius on the south wall are still very clear, while Pisces, Cancer and Gemini on the north wall have almost peeled off. Capricorn is a bit difficult to identify as it's drawn in a fish shape with a dragon head, not as a goat with the tail of a fish which we see nowadays. The fact that we can see the zodiac signs in an ancient Buddhist cave shows that the concepts of the zodiac were transported from Central Asia to Dunhuang along the Silk Road and incorporated with the local religion long before the 10th century. So, who left the 12 constellations in Dunhuang? Cave 61 was constructed by Cao Yunzhong and his wife Lady Chai. Cao was the military commander in the Dunhuang area. His family controlled the area for 122 years during the Five Dynasties and the Song Dynasty, when ethnic kingdoms emerged around Dunhuang. As noted by the inscriptions beside the portraits in the cave, in order to maintain peace and stability in the area, the Cao family has strengthened ties with neighbouring ethnic kingdoms through marriage and trade, and formed alliances with the Uyghurs and the Khotan. Khotan is an oasis on the southern rim of the Taklamakan Desert in China's Xinjiang region. Historically, it was also a Buddhist state on a branch of the Silk Road. Cao's wife, Lady Chai, was from a Cotonese clan. 
The couple had a belief that the Buddha would protect them from wars and bring good fortune. They supported the renovation of many existing caves and commissioned a number of new ones. The portraits of donors in the caves built during that period also increased in number and size. Cave 61 was their biggest and most ambitious project. It is recorded that during the construction, the lady personally provided food for the workers. Obviously, the Tsao family were quite open to foreign cultures, thus leaving us the 12 constellation signs on the walls of Cave 61. But beyond that, they were also practitioners of multicultural integration. To pay tribute to women's contribution to the Tsao family, as well as to local society, Portraits of the family's female members are painted on the walls of Cave 61. For example, you can find some female donors painted on the lower section of the east wall. They look elegant and graceful, wearing elaborate attire and jewellery. Even the makeup on their faces is still clearly visible today. Their different hairstyles and costumes signify that they are from various ethnic groups in and around the Dunhuang region, which indicates that the Cao family had intermarried with Uyghur and Cotonese nobility to solidify their regional alliances. To what extent did the Cao family attach importance to the relationship with the surrounding ethnic groups? There's another concrete proof. The proof is in the identity of female donors and the sequence in which they are standing. According to the inscriptions beside the pictured group of female donors, starting from the south side, the first one, in Uyghur costume, was a Uyghur princess who married Tsao's father, but she was not Tsao's mother. The second one, again in Uyghur costume, was Tsao's sister who married the Uyghur Khan. The third lady, wearing a phoenix crown, was another sister of Tsao who married the king of Khotan, and the fourth female was Tsao's own mother. This order of the four donors is quite rare. In Chinese tradition, elder members of a family should always be respected and listed before the younger generations, but here Tsao's mother was listed after her two sisters, because both her sisters had inter-ethnic marriages and enjoyed very high status. This unique order reflects that the Tsao family strengthened their control through political marriage with other ethnic kingdoms. A thousand years later, the actual loves and sorrows and rich fabrics of those female donors have vanished with time. Yet their beauty and dignity still shine out from the cave wall, bringing stories to us across the centuries in Dunhuang, the world's largest Buddhist art gallery. Our exploration inside Cave 61 is not yet at an end. In our next episode, we will take a look at a huge map of a sacred mountain and find out why Cave 61 is also called the Hall of Manjushri. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sanglian Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. 
I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast. <laughs>